0: Thank y'all for
1: tuning in to the NFL Player Second Acts podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Peanut Tillman. And as always, I got my homeboy with me. First off, this dude, he's actually younger than me, but he looks older than me. My guy, my homie, Roman, second term, Barack Obama
0: Harper.
2: You know what? Thank you, Peanut, for that great introduction. The best thing about today's guest is that um, I know I look old because of my gray hair and everything like that, but this yeah. brother looks older than me. I'm telling you, dog. He, he
1: look Isaac Hayes old. <laughs>
3: time, time, time. <laughs> so, Roman, Roma, you can't get that one, bro. You yeah. <laughs>
1: Come
2: on. Now. I don't know, my, First of all, here we go. Let me introduce you first. Let me give you a couple of your accolades. Let me let me give you your flowers real Read quick. Read off this you. resume. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Impressive. Here we go. Here we go. So, my boy. First round draft pick to the Northern mm. Saints in two thousand nine. First DB taken, what was it? Fifteen overall?
3: Fourteen. Fourteen. Fourteenth
2: overall. overall, from the Ohio State University. My boy, my dog, Omega Sci-Fi's finest, Malcolm Jenkins, thirteen year NFL vet, two time Super Bowl champion. He won Super Bowl forty four with none better than myself. And a host of other great Saints players won Super Bowl 52 with the Eagles in 2018. He is the co founder of the Players Coalition with the NFL. He's a businessman, he's a debonair. This guy does it all. He's a philanthropist, a Harvard fellow, an activist, and so on and so forth. I can keep going. All I do is learn from this guy every time I see each other. And now that he's retired, we're actually a lot cooler. We got so much more in common now. Malcolm Jekas, welcome to
1: the podcast, bro. Yeah, I
3: appreciate you guys having me.
1: Big Jang, what's going on, boss? You look like you at a, uh, your offices right now, man. Where you at?
3: No, I'm actually at Parkway Parkway Northwest High School in Philadelphia. I just got done um, talking to them. We just launched this uh, financial literacy program here okay. through my foundation. So uh, y'all are catching me in transition, man. I'm, I'm always, always busy. <laughs> See, this the school bell right there. <laughs> <laughs> No, that was perfect. So are, you having, so are you
1: having lunch up there? You know, everybody know the the cafeteria lady. All we got is mashed potatoes and cone. So are you gonna eat some Yo, cafeteria food? I'm gonna food?
3: be honest. I used to take. So my parents just give me like, uh, I was I was balling. So I think they gave me like four dollars for lunch, Ooh. and I would spend three dot three dollars. I'll get cookies, and then the other I would get some French fries. That was that was all I ate in high school. Three cookies fries and French the fries.
2: is it a private school or public school cuz public, public school, school is probably a little bit always different always public then. school yeah yeah I went private to one school.
3: public school early like from pre-K to second grade it was a there's an all black was an all black private school called Chad school in uh Newark New Jersey like imagine Wakanda University like that's what it was <laughs> that's what it was and it was like it was awesome we talked to talk to our uh we wouldn't say like miss or missus it'd be uh brother johnson or sister <laughs> mr penny that's what they was being taught Right on. black national anthem every morning like that's dope that's yeah dope. it was that's awesome dope. that was the only private school i've been to everything else was public
1: yeah that's, that's so cool so no. what right. did you just now you just came from yeah. somewhere right you just i know you just came from a vacation right i know you you were in europe you traveled a couple places oh, tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah it
3: wasn't vacation i was just at the um One of the things I've been trying to do to stay away from the game is like find some other hobbies. And uh, art is something I've always been around, but like trying Mm -hmm. to take it more serious (laughs) about collecting. And so uh, I was out in uh, London uh, at Freeze, the art fest out there. That was my first time going to that. It was amazing. Amazing. Then caught a train and went to Paris um, to check out another artist that I really love. One of my favorite artists, his name is uh, Tabar Strachan out of um, the Bahamas. Phenomenal Mm -hmm. artist doing some great stuff. He had these, this this sculpture of Malcolm X and Betty Shabazz. Yeah. Obviously, you know, that that struck a chord with me, but it's just phenomenal. In the, in the way of Michelangelo, it's awesome.
2: You've I've been to your place in New Orleans, your new place, and so you have art all over the things. And I, I know, like, how has art become your passion? Uh, I want you to kind of go into that. Me and you yeah. talk about these things all the time. You know, you're always trying to, you know, keep your mind going and things like that, but how has art really just taken off in your own?
3: Um, well, I think I like anything that has like to do with storytelling, um, and and you know, like I said, I grew up around art. So my aunts an artist. So I've I saw paintings on the walls like as early as I can remember. My earliest memories, I saw you know these these paintings. I remember um, you ever saw the Sugar Shack Eddie, Eddie, uh, Eddie Barnes? It's the it's the um, uh, Marvin Gaye album cover.
2: Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: about yeah. Sort of I saw that picture, that painting on my wall from as early as I can remember. My aunt did a cover of it. I thought it was her painting for the longest <laughs> until I got older and learned about who Ernie Barnes was, a former NFL player that turned artist and is now one of the like goats of, you know, black artistry. But it's just the idea of being able to, to think about something and articulate it and express it in a way. Um, That might be nuanced, you know, so we sit here and we were exposed only to sports uh, Mm -hmm. kind of outlets where if we want to talk about these other things. We're at the mercy of like the the writer or the journalist who's, you know, has an agenda. But being able to express yourself in ways that aren't always with words. So whether it's your fashion, whether it's film, um, music art, like all of those things to me are just storytelling. And when I get to sit with an artist and they break down why they used this material, uh, you know, like we'll say, oh, this is trash. And it's like, exactly. They use trash specifically to tell this narrative, like, and all of those things to me, once you understand it, like, change how you value it. And Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you are attached to these pieces because they speak to a narrative. It's like listening to a good song when a writer says something that like, He articulates the feelings that you had, but you could never like put it like that. It's the same thing with art. Once you learn how they're doing it, you're like, I could never make that or do that in that way. And it's so interesting that they took that that narrative and perspective on whether it be sculpture, abstract paintings, all of that.
1: Now, do you do any artwork yourself, though? Being that you are a fan of it, can you you paint? Can you draw? Can you sculpt? Can you
3: no? I can't paint. Can't draw. Can't (laughs) sculpt. But what I have started to figure out is like, yeah, like, all right, well, what are and this is what I think is important, like for every black man. This is one thing that we don't do is we need like some creative outlet, like mm-hmm. in general. And so one of the things I started to do um, was photography. Like I just picked up a camera, show myself how to do it. Um, and so, you know, I'll go out, I'll take pictures, edit them, taught myself how to do it. And I have a, like a photo wall, all of like mm-hmm. my own stuff. And I'm working on some things, you know, here and there. But you got to learn kind of the basics. And I'm like, I'm not gonna put nothing out there, or right. it might just be only for me to see. It's just my own little private thing. But yeah, I, I think I am looking for ways to like. The more you get around it, you you start to learn how they do it. Yeah. Okay, you play around with it, dabble a little bit. But I'm not gonna. I'm no artist. But what's what's one of the best pieces you've taken? Hmm. I got. I could send it to you too. I got this picture. I was in Morocco. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went through the markets in uh, Madrid and you go into, this is guys, are snake charmers and stuff. This guy he takes a snake and he's like dr- like draping it like over his face and he's like kissing it. I took a picture of it like real close, like edit it up. It's like phenomenal. Like it's like my favorite <laughs> picture that I've taken. I was like, okay. Everybody who comes and sees it, they're like, like, like oh, who took that? And I'm like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I like to um I like I like to check that piece out. Send it to uh, Rome or whatever.
3: Yeah, I got you, dog.
1: So, Mal, now that you're back in the states, you went on
2: vacation. You're enjoying yourself. You're going all over. I I know most of these places, but
3: so what have you been up to, dog? I mean, I know I know the girls back in school. So, what you up to? Half of my time is just being dad. Like I'm at mm-hmm. home, I'm. I'm in the school drop-off lines, I'm in the pickup line, soccer practice. Oh, tell practice. them how you're
2: cooking it up, too, because I, I, I've been over there and you was cooking dinner, dog. Oh, nice. yeah,
3: it's a full-time <laughs> job, yo. Like, you know, I'm a single dad with no nanny. So I got two <laughs> girls, I'm like, we're up at, in the morning, breakfast, uh, clothes, to, to school. I get my little work in, you know, work out, do whatever I got to do between then, then it's pickup, and it's like clockwork. You know, you pick them up, here's a snack, change L, get to soccer practice. Get home, homework. While they doing homework, I'm cooking dinner. Get dinner. We got about thirty minutes to chill, watch something, and then they sleep. <laughs> and and was, how old are your kids? They're an eight and uh four, eight and four. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's the majority of my life. About half of the month, and then the other half of the month, um, um, either doing some of the things that I enjoy. So it's like the art stuff, or it's bouncing around then a couple of smaller gigs, like just talking about the game of ball, little podcast stuff here or there. Um, but yeah, working on more creative stuff um, than anything else, to be honest.
2: So after eight months of retirement, bro, you watching football?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you miss it? Do you have any urge to play again? Not at all.
3: Not at all. <laughs> I had one urge. I went to my first game. Finally, Saints versus uh, Raiders. And in pregame, I was like, "Okay."
2: Yeah, it's the pregame. That's really it, though. I was like,
3: I could, I could almost feel my pads on my body. I was like, Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I could play. I could play right now. But after that, like, nah, I really, I really have not had any, like, second guesses or thoughts of, like, playing the game. I actually enjoy this vantage point of being a fan and, like, and having no control over what's happening Yep, makes it, like, the anxiety of that, like, the tension in the moments. I'm like, oh, this is amazing.
2: You know, what's real funny, Matt, was that I didn't know how hard it was being a fan. Like, like, you just mentioned about the anxieties, like, when you have no control it's way worse. Like it's being terrible. Man, it's, it's way terrible. Worse. <laughs> being just on the field, like you only control, you're only just concerned with your job. You're like, bro, I'm just trying to. I don't have time to be worried about none of that. I
3: I have man. so much. I'm <laughs> such a fair weather person as a fan. Like I'm in the first quarter. Like yo, they down. They down fourteen. It's over with, y'all. This game is dying. <laughs> Like as a player, I was the guy that was always like, Man, we always come back. Like, this is super super positive, super positive, no matter (laughs) what optimistic
1: all the time.
2: As
3: a fan, I'm like, This is this first quarter, this is over with. All right. So, when did you know it
2: was time to retire? Because you we had talked about it, but I didn't know you was gonna pull the trigger. And when you did, it was just like no hesitation, almost like your tweet game.
3: Yeah, right. I mean, it got easy, yo. I'm gonna be honest, it just got easy. And it's like, um, it's taking up too much time. It's like a lot going on, like from family life. Like, yo, you sacrifice a lot of it. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to spend more time doing all these things. But like, and football has taught me so much. Uh Like, you learn, like, literally to be a professional in the game. Like, the nuances of the game. Like, it takes a certain skill level to get there. And then you start to realize that, like, if I apply this, these same tools to anything else in life, i am gonna succeed like it's we know how to we know how to build teams we know process we know discipline like we understand evaluation we know how to deal with failure how to come back from failure how to stay focused in success like these are all things that people in the real world struggle with CEOs and and people who build businesses don't have these tools and we've been doing this since me personally since I was seven mm-hmm. and so it's a, it almost started to feel like like football is what I love but it's not what I'm built to do. Right. And everything that I'm built to do is like pulling on me, like it's calling me. And the game of football really just got easy. Bro, I remember you told me this when I was young and I was trying to learn how to play strong safety. I'm like, man, how do you know how, how do you read so fast if it's run or pass? And he's like, I'm like, what are you looking at? He was like, I, I mean, it's a feel. Like it just, it just sound different. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like, man, you just feel the game after a while. And it's like, OK, and then probably two, three years later, like I've reached that point where like I would feel the game. And it was like, oh, and I kind of knew it was never like the last two years I played. I was not nervous at all for any. game, yeah. And it was like, OK, it's probably time. I've done everything I needed to do. I can still play. I love competing. But it's like I'm I'm cheating people. You know me, Roman. I'm an all in type of person. Thousand percent. Like. All in. If you got me here, and so, and if I can't be like that, it's like then it's probably time for me to move to something else.
1: I was probably smart. Um, it's it's funny that you say the whole uh, the the nervous, and I think one of the unique things though about the way you retired is you did it on your term. Like mm-hmm. you did it. Most people don't retire when they're ready. It's either they didn't get picked up or they got injured and. That was it. I was kind of the the guy that got injured because I still wanted to play, but after I tore my ACL in Carolina my last year, I was like, "Man, I'm going on like 34, 35. I just tore my ACL. I think I'm gonna have to call it a day because uh, no one's trying to to pick up an an old guy." And you mm-hmm. also said something um, <clears throat> how Rome when you were younger, Rome really took you under his wing, and he told you and you know gave you some 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 great advice. What has Rome taught you? that you're kind of using today, right now?
3: Roman taught me a lot in leadership.
2: That's and crazy to say, because Malcolm was the captain. Like, I, I hated this. <laughs> like, I was never, it, it, that's crazy to me to hear that, but I was always like, well, I, don't, I don't need all that stuff. Go ahead, Malcolm, sorry.
3: Um, And not leadership in, like, like I'm going to stand in front of the entire room, mm-hmm. but, like, mm-hmm. man-to-man leadership. Yeah, like, like, he got okay. that old man wisdom. Like I've seen, like, okay, when Tracy Porter is, you know, our main corner, he's our guy. And then he's just late one too many times. So we're like, like, at first it's like we don't care. know, yeah, but the coaches can care how they want. But now it's like, oh, you do something that now it's like a player only meeting and you you're you're too late. Like instead of being a thing where most of us know how to call people out in a big room, mm-hmm. you do that because you got backup, you got other people to like to to jump on as well. But, like, I'm just watching and he'll hang back and be like, hey, Tracy, let me, like, stay here. And then to have a man-to-man conversation about, like, oh, no, like, we need more out of you. And and Roman's not the captain. He's not, like, the dude with the seal on his chest. He's not the, and it's like, oh, the ability to meet people, like, where they are, understanding who's who. Yeah. And then uh, and then when I got to Philadelphia, um, like, I was, like, that guy. And I started to realize a lot of the stuff that Roman used to say to me, um, I had to say to, to Rodney uh, McLeod. He was a young dude, just like me, came through Greg Williams defense. So super cerebral, like we spoke the same language, but he thought he knew everything and would want to question the coach on everything. Like, you're not perfect. You're going to ask the coach every single question. And I remember Roman used to tell me, "It's like, bro, coach and then Crime Dog was our DB coach. My last year in New Orleans. And they said, bro, you're clearly smarter than everybody. That's fine but like for this meeting to go, like you can't disrupt the meeting. Like you want to do this on your own time, go upstairs with them early, like on Tuesday and get all of that out before we get to the meeting on Wednesday, because the other people are not learning. Like the guys who don't know what you know, aren't learning because you like, it's causing confusion. And I'm like, okay, fine. Like I finally shut up and just like, okay, learn how to to do it in a different way. And when I got to Philly, I was able to, to to talk to Rodney about those things because I had been through it. And I just bust out laughing. Right. Rodney said all the same things that I was saying. And it's like, okay, uh, I'm prepared for this.
1: <laughs> it's funny how growth changes you, though. You know what yeah. I'm saying? How it, how we it prepare. Rome was the same way in Philly. Or excuse me, not Philly. In Carolina. But Rome would do that with, you did that with Benet, Trey, uh, Jano, Josh Norman. Like, he was, I think Rome was, again, were you a captain in Carolina? No yeah no. it wasn't a captain of carolina but he was the i guess because you had all that great they just kind of right, like
3: it's just like he gotta be he gotta like, have you just he's like there. yo
1: he's 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 <laughs> like that old the old guy off of the show kung fu you know like they just always would flock to rome for some of that old school advice and it was just like yeah hey, and they used to call him unk too yeah yeah they still do hey unk unk hey yo unk og
3: Lou. Let you young, yeah. Let, yeah. Let's, now, now that we gave Roman some flowers, let me like let me let me put some parameters back on this. Now this that was the one example that I had. i was like Roman was also the reason why I didn't get along with a lot of coaches because he didn't <laughs> walk into the room. I'm like it was. I'm a young guy. I'm a rookie. Roman's probably what. <laughs> I hope year? you go
2: tell me this. I hope you tell this story. This is like the best one ever. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. Year, fifth year player, something like that, and he's like a fourth year player. And you know, coaches are nitpicking on like little things. We're we're undefeated in my rookie year. We're like ten and zero, and the coaches are still trying to like, you didn't set the edge right here like you're supposed to on the numbers. You set it out here. It's like, bro, and they're giving them. They gave him a bad grade. Like, and he had a ball. He balled out and got like a a bad grade. So now Roman's mad, and then uh, D- D- Dennis Allen, the, the head coach now, of the Saints said he was DB coach, and he said something like slick. And Roman was just like, man, y'all just—I'm just saying, y'all here nitpicking. He's like nitpicking. He's like, get. He's like, you say it all the time. This is a this game is played by players. Coaches just coach. I said, ooh, I'm in the back of the room. Like, what you gonna say? Coach didn't say nothing else after that. But it was like he was also that guy. He got his—he he playing Call of Duty all day. I was like, this is this is Roman Harper. Gray hair does not mean wisdom. They just assumed that when he got to Carolina. <laughs> 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 well he definitely he definitely had it
1: though because i'm not gonna lie he used to put the old schools you and kurt i would meet y'all in the morning and that's kurt, how yeah. we would watch film you yeah. know what yeah. i'm saying it's true professional and it sounds like i think one of the biggest jumps that rookies don't have is learning how to be a professional when they mm-hmm. go from college to the nfl and it always takes for the most part an older guy a veteran to to give the younger guys some tips, some advice on how to watch film, how to practice, how to eat, how to take care of your body treatment, so on and so forth. Um, Malcolm, what would, what would your advice be to NFL players and or athletes in general, just about being a professional?
3: Uh, I mean, you know, every time you come into this game, you want to play it as long as you can. Right. Right. And there's certain things that like will help you last in the game that have nothing to do with football. Professionalism is one of them. Like, the ability, like they tell you all the time, accountability and availability are like two of the major things when it comes to teams, evaluating players, you can be as talented as you want, but if I can't hold you accountable or I don't think that you can just do your job um, and you're not healthy, then no matter what your talent is, you can't, I can't use you. Right. Um, And so it's really just about um, coaches are always evaluating you. Like it's not just on the field. It's wow. how you walk around the building. It's do you take notes? Do you make new mistakes? Are you a repeat mistake offender? Like all these things have nothing to do with like how well you tackle, how well you catch the ball. It's how you how you um, hold yourself and carry yourself and and improve yourself. Coaches are not that good in the NFL. I'm like I know this is a podcast for this, but I don't believe <laughs> that coaches are that good. It's like how much has how many coaches have actually taught you like a new technique that took mm. you to the next level as a player. A lot of it is self-governance, right? Like if mm-hmm. I mess up, I got to stay after practice and improve myself. That like real improvement comes on your own in the off season. It comes on your own, in your own time, your preparedness for the game comes on your own time. All of that stuff. Has, you don't think
1: the coaches help you learn the game though, in, in a sense? Maybe not technique, but just, like, learning the game itself. Some,
3: like. some do, but I would yeah. say out of the amount of coaches I played for six coordinators, mm-hmm. under that you had, like, different, you know, DB coaches. I didn't learn a game from the majority of them. I probably learned the game from, like, Greg Williams, um, Jim Schwartz, um, Rob Ryan I learned a game from, and then uh, Corey Underland was a, a DB coach that I had in, in Philadelphia who could have been a, a D coordinator. Um, and then Dennis Allen, I did learn some football from him like some stuff, but like, you're not learning how to that. None of the stuff I was learning was helping me cover Calvin Johnson. The and the professionalism is like understanding that that's your responsibility. Like that is not, it's not the coach's responsibility. I mean, technically it is, but nobody cares at the end of the day. Like okay. on Sundays, like you being prepared, being healthy and being ready to perform, they're going to look at you yeah. <laughs> for that responsibility, they not looking at the coaches uh, on that, and those who can do it consistently s- tend to stay around longer.
2: So I- I'm just gonna throw it out there, Matt. What's it like to own a sports
3: team, bro? Uh, I mean, let's let's calm down here, guys. Uh, it's stressful. So I was okay. minority owner in Burnley Football Club. Um, we were in the Premier League last year and uh, got relegated. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> So it was rough. It was it was in dramatic fashion, too. It came down to, like, the last match of the year. It's going back and forth. Uh, yeah, we got rele- relegated. We're in the Champions League. But was the Premier League soccer, uh, not in the Champions League. Um, Burnley. It's awesome, though. I mean, you know, as athletes, you don't we don't even imagine. It's like I I barely thought I was going to play in the NFL. Like, I didn't even have dreams to do that. So to be in a position where you're, like, a mon- minority owner in a, in a uh, sports club, in another country is just, that's that's a big accomplishment for me and, and my team. And it's really just like, if I look at my businesses, I'm in so many different things, like mm-hmm. on purpose. Um, and just tell, being tell able us about to- about a people, couple of them. Tell yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm in everything from real estate to franchising we own, um, uh, half a, over at half a dozen, I'm sorry, over a dozen uh, quick service restaurants and getting ready to blow that to over 30 um, in the next two years. We've got a venture capital fund called Broad Street Ventures doing um, investments into uh, growth and late stage companies. Um, that's been going well. Got my own production company. Um, uh, we just acquired and just uh, invested into one of the largest distilleries in Pennsylvania. So we've got the, the spirits and all of that. We're all over the place. Real estate, sports groups in, in, in sports is one of the things I also wanted to invest in being an athlete. Like we know we know how valuable we are like as as athletes in the sports. Mm-hmm. And so it's was like, well, how did how did, do we not invest into having some kind of equity into, um, you know, that sports space where we know athletes, we know how to build a brand. We know how to add value to an organization um, because I've had 13 years of professional experience and even more when we go back to how long we've been playing ball.
1: So how do you, I mean, I know you said you retired, you were done and family time with the kids and you gave us that whole schedule. Like, how do you have time to do all of this with all your businesses? Like Uh, the business side? The
3: best thing I've ever done in my life was build a team Mm -hmm. uh, while I was playing. Um, And so I figured out ways to, you know, most of us, when we come into the league, we are on a conveyor conveyor belt, right? It's like, get an agent, get a (laughs) financial advisor, get all these people who they tell you you're supposed to have, great. Um, I did that as well. And then eventually, as I've gone along, I just started to realize, like, all right, who's making money off of me and who can I replace? Like, how do they make money? It's like, well, oh, I've got a friend who can handle my finances. They do it for another company, you know, and get they're working a nine to five to do that same job for another company. I was like, well, as soon as we can build enough up together over here and we can afford to pay you full time, leave that and come do it for me. And then we'll build that. We have the franchising. Uh, same thing with the uh, investments, then it's the real estate. And so enable for like, I know I can't do all these things alone. Right. So I'd rather share in the equity and then have yeah. other people join me and build it. And that's how I'm able to get into all these other things is that I'm just taking people and evaluating who I think is in the best position to really like uh, take off and run in that space. And I'm equipping them with the the capital, the leverage in, in my social capital, like the doors that I can get into, I'm bringing them into that space to do that for me. Um, and I was able to do that while I was playing, while yes. I'm, you know, while everybody cares about who you are, they want to let you in the door. I'm just bringing my people with me. And yeah. then I retire, I'm sitting around a, a group of five people and we've got stuff that we can do on our own. Like we're not knocking down doors, looking, you know, to go work for somebody else. We've got all of that in place and it's about just scaling it now. And that's, that's the biggest thing. That's probably the best thing I've ever done. You know, i got to give him out. I got to give him out credit because I
2: remember like his rookie year, second year, he was telling me about these apartments he owned in Columbus.
3: I'm like, what? You already did that? Yeah. I ain't going to take credit for that. But, but that was part of my team though. Right.
2: That's what I'm saying. Like he was already doing these things at an early age where you first come in, everybody's telling you, man, you got to save, you got to be smart. You got to do this and just focus and Malcolm was already doing these things. That's why I, I just want to let him know that, man, this started forever ago. Like yeah. this, Malcolm. I've, really-
3: I've been blessed to have people around me that have made me challenge the way that things are done, or made me think about these things in uh-huh. different ways. Early enough that now here I am, I can walk away from the game because the decision for me in my retirement is like, mm, okay, is can I walk away from the money? Yeah. And that really is what it like. That's the hardest thing. And I'm like, I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm afraid to walk away from money. And I feel like I got to be there only for it. And so that was like, OK, let's move. Uh, and, and luckily, I've been in a position where I can um, And But like to Roman's point, though, that didn't start like two years ago. That's yeah. Been, that's been, been doing long. that for a minute.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. what's up. That's what's up. So I know five years ago you started the, the Players Coalition. Yeah. And, I mean, you've been very vocal about kneeling, national anthem, how, uh, you know, African-Americans, how we could be and be more included in a a, a lot of things. And specifically police, law enforcement, just stuff that's happened around uh, the United States within the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. There's been this huge shift. Has the Players Coalition been going the way you felt it should?
3: I think it's since its creation. Yeah, since creation, I think I think the coalition has um, has honestly exceeded my expectations tenfold. Um, And so I think there's a misunderstanding about the coalition as well is that there that it's a program that's like underneath the NFL and it's not. These are two separate entities. The Player Coalition. What we did was do something that's never been done before. We looked at uh, a bunch of group of athletes that wanted to. Be socially engaged, wanted to use their platforms to have some real uh, impact in our um, in our the way our society is structured, mm-hmm. and they had the idea to do that together, and that would create an organization that was completely uh, built by players and completely run by players. All of the decision making comes from players. That's separate from the union and separate from the league. That would make these decisions on how we push the money that we got from the league. We decide where that money goes. We also build a, a organization that uh, a vehicle for players who now want to be involved. They don't have to, you know, try to. Their only option is not to push against their their team clubs and, and do these things in a locker room or on the field. They can contact us, get all the education they need, get all the resources they need. We can organize the events that they want, whether it be in their city or their hometown, um, so that the work can continue. Uh-huh. And and since then we've expanded to not only just the NFL and in the it started with twelve NFL players and expanded to hundreds um, that have been engaged in our work, but we also expanded to twelve other um, professional sports leagues. So okay. that's WNBA, soccer, baseball, like all of these groups have now created their own uh, coalitions, and they're underneath nice. our sister, our, like our we're the umbrella company to all of that. So our example and our resources have not have turned into not only work that we can do, that mm-hmm. is, we've given away millions to grassroots organizations that do the work every day, but it's also catapulted uh, and empowered other athletes across different, you know, sports in, in, in sections. I'm still very involved from uh, the mm-hmm. high level stuff. But what we recognize is that uh, politics and our impact is more regional. Which is yeah. perfect for the way that athletes are, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So we focus a lot on kind of these national debates and national conversations, but really the power lies state and local. And so, is, and that's where we're most powerful, right? Is where our fan bases are. So, I'm able to do so much work in Philly and get so much done in Philly that I can't do in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for me, it's <laughs> been about the particular communities that you live in. How are you being engaged there? And so for me, yeah, all my work is is focused on the Philadelphia area. That's kind of my, yeah, my, my territory. And then and then recruiting, like, how do we get the next generation of leaders to take this up? Because Anquan Bolden, you know, the co-founder, he retired in order to help us build it, and he built it up while I was still playing, kind of mm-hmm. the voice of it all. Um, but now I'm retired, right? And there is and and times and circumstances are different, and so there is a need for this next voice, these next leaders to carry this out into the forefront, because there are a lot of important things that are happening um, socially in our communities uh, in multiple communities that will need voices of athletes that will need a collective um, and no, but no better person to serve them than those next generation leaders to be
1: in the coalition. Do you have to be an active player or are there no. retired
3: players? Oh, no, no, no. So, well, yeah, we we're focused with athletes, but, right. um, but it's, we have both retired and active and, and it's really a spectrum of how you want to get involved. Like some, and and this is why we built it. It's like, whatever you want to do, if mm-hmm. it's just, Hey, I want to get information on what's happening in my city that I should be aware of, or I want to, you know, sign on to a letter with some other people, Well, all I got to do is sign my name or I want to send a tweet. Or if you want to full out, like I want to have a town hall and organize, you know, meetings with politicians, whatever it is you want to do, we can set that up for you. And that's that's what the coalition is, is a resource you. for mm-hmm. players to, to get active, however it is they want.
1: And how do they reach out to you to get those resources?
3: Yeah, um, players, playerscoalition.org is the website's got all of our information, all of our programs the pillars and and the things that we stand for. We're doing things in education and economic justice, criminal justice reform, uh, police and uh, community relations, like the the whole gambit. So it's not even just like one thing. There's multiple topics you can get involved in. There's multiple levels. Um, And even if it's just, you just want information to figure out, like we just had an election. If you want to know information about the local candidates, you know, and what's going on in your city, you just need that. We're a resource. Got you, got you.
1: So you've been extremely vocal your career. Were you always kind of like the, the the vocal guy, or did, was that something that you kind of had to grow into? Where did that mount? And you got the name Malcolm, so I yeah, I feel like know. it. Like where where did that come from? That and yes. you got the uh, like, yeah.
3: He always been brother, Jack, brother Malcolm. Brother J- I mean, Malcolm. obviously, like like I've been I've been raised obviously with a with a very um, detailed kind of history of just mm-hmm. like black people what we are capable of and kind of what we've been through and and honestly not even enough like for me as an adult i'm still on a journey of just learning kind of how we've arrived to where we are Mm -hmm. um i'm actually a person who's very introverted and who does not like conflict um but (laughs) but i'm I'm somebody (laughs) that like when it's time i'll do what needs to be done and so when you see me raising my hand and and being so loud and vocal you have to understand that that's because I believe that this needs to be done. It's not what I want to be doing. I don't want to invite these <laughs> this energy, this this friction. But if it's but if it comes down to like a like on the football field, if I gotta tackle this guy who's bigger than me, or I gotta take on this pulling guard, well, I'm gonna find out. You'll see how much I love my teammates based yeah. on how I make that decision. And for me, I love my communities. I've been raised to to love my family and the people that I come from. I have a lot of pride in it. And I have a lot of understanding that we as a people are not innately violent, stupid uh, or inadequate. So when you look at those symptoms coming out of specific communities, you have to look at, well, what is causing that? If I don't believe that these people are just like that, then there are reasons that explain all of it. And if we can get to those reasons, then we'll get to the the core and stop trying to stop the, the symptoms of it all. Um, and so for me, it just, like any captain, sometimes you just got to stand out front, take the bullets just to keep this thing focused, keep everything going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, that was what was needed from and not only me, like Colin Kaepernick obviously took a knee, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Reed and Mike Thomas. So you had voices all over the league that were really um, stepping up to the plate and all of that. And I get, my name gets attached to the coalition a lot, but it's a coalition, meaning right. there's a group of guys of that people. made decisions. There was a group of us yeah. that were in those negotiations, a group of us that made every decision that got us there. Right. Uh, you know, and, and that to me is really like the most important part.
1: Brother Jake, yeah. y'all stay tuned. We're going to we're going to pay a couple of bills. We'll be right back.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, we're back.
2: After a little bit of commercial, we had to pay some bills. My man Peanut Tillman here with our guest today. Malcolm Jenkins. Brother Jake. NF- yeah, yeah. There we go. Brother Jake or Brother Malcolm, however you want to go for it. NFL Players Second Acts Podcast. Thank you again, Malcolm. We got a couple quick hitters for you. All right. First thing yeah. comes to mind, be ready for it. Some of these questions are going to be challenging. Some of them are just all for giggles, bro. Just being honest with you. All right. Mm-hmm. You ready? Yeah. All right. What was the first thing you splurged on after you got drafted?
3: Uh, the first thing I bought was a 2000. 2000- Nine Mercedes S550. Oh yeah, the S-Class Benz. I remember that black. bad boy. was, it? All all was it? it? was all black. black.
0: Yeah,
1: all black everything. I love. Yep, it. stock
3: right. rims. Nothing. I ain't do nothing to it. All I did nothing. was tint the windows. nothing
1: else to, to it. it. All right, I got nothing else. else. Uh, what was your What was your go to outfit for a game?
3: Uh, so I always had like so you know I got my own suit company so I always shout had out. Them. Have a, yeah, Damari, you know, based out of Philly. So we, uh, so I always design something nice. Seven weeks planned out or eight weeks at home. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay.
2: Hold on, so you would were, were already have them laid out. Like first day of school, like this is this week, this is this week. Oh, this yeah, before
3: the season, I'm like, hey, all right, this week, we got a primetime game week three. I need to have something fire for that. Got this road game. Yeah, you know, you got you to gotta have it all. You got to have a plan. Because I'm not trying to think about that, you know, the day before the game night morning of the game uh, what outfit i'm going to wear let's oh, get that done
2: well shout out to demar cuz i just ordered mine just came in the other day
1: so it's about time if you could do it all over again would you get the cube branded on your
3: arm 100% i'm thinking about getting another one i got the one of my, i got one of my chest and i got it yeah, a double hit right here oh yeah i would for sure
2: rome step up well if not if you get double hit it bro again i'll get one
3: Ooh. What they got to do with me?
2: Uh, it's for your I brother. I, I need somebody to hold my hand.
3: All right, man. No, All I did, I did this one with no help. I ain't even, nobody hold me. Just put a book right there and just, just <laughs> control, man. You got it? Bro,
2: okay. It's mental. Is mental. That life it that it is mental though, you're right. It is mental. is mental. It's mental, bro, you're right. You been through All how
3: right, many man? tra- NFL training camps you trying to tell me you can't sit still? <laughs> How many shots and MRIs and all kinds of stuff you the <laughs> had? You can't sit still and get braided real quick.
2: Hey man, going to that male doctor is probably even worse, more mental than all of that. But uh yeah. all right, who is on your personal Mount Rushmore,
3: Malcolm? My Mount Rushmore would be Malcolm X, Jay-Z, Dave Chappelle, and James Baldwin. Nice. Yeah.
2: You're the first person that hasn't mentioned their mom and their dad. They not on
3: my Mount Rushmore.
2: I get it. I get it. I'm just telling you, the first one, bro. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I actually it. really like yours more than everybody else's actually, because it was yeah. like real people that we can look up to and like not touch. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I actually it appreciate be on, that it one more. Be up there. Yeah, I, I like. Like, I, wish, like I can I wish, hug my mama. I get it. I wish like, I would I like that.
1: One. Knew more about James Baldwin growing up as a kid. Yeah, I wish they would have taught what he stood for, what he said, his writing, like Mm -hmm. just everything he was about. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have learned more about him as a kid in my youth than learning about him later in life as an adult. Now, I'm learning about him and I I know who he is now, but I I wish to God they would have taught about this man in high school or in junior high or elementary school because he has so much knowledge. Yeah, So much
3: knowledge. And the the problem was that he's, you know, we talk about writers in general he's yeah. one of the, the you know greatest american writers of all time and and we are just getting to a place where we probably accept him on a broader basis simply because he was homosexual yeah right yeah. Like, so we yeah. took all of that that greatness kind of under the 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 rug um but i'm glad that that yeah, like you said more people are getting exposed to his writing and just what he meant even just for like the psyches of black folks
1: the brother was brilliant. All right. Last question. Fill in the blank. Right now, my life is.
3: Right now, uh, my life is an adventure. Football gives you so much structure every day. They tell you where to go, what time the bus leaves, what time you eat, what time you rest. And now every day I wake up, I don't know what's coming. And it's right. like, and it's getting used to like being okay with that and, and yeah. then actually enjoying that part that like literally every day is something new to experience, it's something new to learn um, and having to like embrace that. So there's no such thing as good, bad. Uh, it's just like, this is just what today was and mm-hmm. I'll get through it. And then tomorrow i go at it again. And that that part to me is like, is so uncomfortable. But if it's anything I learned while playing mm-hmm. balls, you got to get very comfortable being uncomfortable
2: no doubt and malcolm you're a person that has always lived in the black and white and me have always in the gray so i'm i'm enjoying hearing those words which is you. not true
3: anymore which is crazy <laughs> now i like you're more black and white and i'm probably the great one in both of us like right there's really <laughs> no no and right that, but
2: i love that growth in you my bro yeah. you know i love that so so mal man tell me about this uh your foundation event on tuesday november 29th
3: yeah. So that's Giving Tuesday. Um, actually, like I said, I'm right here now at a Parkway Northwest High School in Philadelphia. It's one of the schools that we've adopted uh, mm-hmm. to do a lot of our work in. And we are building out these financial literacy programs that we'll roll out here, but also in a few other partner schools in North New Jersey, uh, in Newark specifically. Um, and this fundraiser that we're doing, um, the Fantasy Blitz, it's our fun- first fundraiser back in the city since I left uh, as an Eagle. So excited mm-hmm. to be back. But Obviously, we're gonna be doing things around fantasy football. It's kind of this game show host. The the Eagles are flying high right now. So a lot of super high. Super high. So you know, the biggest thing is just trying to get around, enjoying football, having some fun. There'll be a bunch of former and current Eagles that'll be in the building. Um, and we're raising money to build out these um financial literacy programs that again, I'm literally actively doing today. Just finished up one session. Uh, and we want to break this out to multiple schools um in in The only way we can do that is when we raise the funds and get the support community to actually build that infrastructure.
1: That's what's up. Now I'm going to get you in trouble. Eagles, Eagles or saints pick one.
3: I mean, you know, it depends on what you got to give me some context. I can't. It's just pick one one. Eagles (laughs) or saints. I mean, I mean, if you're saying like, okay. Give me
1: the political answer. Eagles or saints. Don't no, that's it, Eagles or Saints?
3: Eagles or Eagles. Saints, but no, nah, that's nah. My I live in both cities, I, I live there, I have to lay my head there, so I can't just be saying crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, I think I think for me, I tell people all the time, like, I cut my teeth in New Orleans, but like, where I made myself as a player and man yeah. was in Philadelphia. That's so I'm, I'm a little bit more tied to Philly, I'm a, it's an hour away from home, like, yeah, that is that is me, like, <laughs> that that place is me, but obviously, like, I Love New Orleans, got a lot of history, did two stints there. Yeah. They gave me a second second uh, go-round when I, I needed it. I yes. wanted to go better myself. They were there for me. So, And I had the most fun probably the last two years. The last two years of my, season, my career were so unique for me. I had so much fun just mm-hmm. playing the game of football that, like, it's New Orleans, it's like it, I can't just make that to say just Philly and ignore New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Too much of an impression on me.
2: Uh, you know, what, Mal, I appreciate that. Um, I knew I was hoping you would say Philly because I remember when you went up there, you were like, bro, I was there the first 30 minutes. People were honking horns at me. I felt like I was back, baby. I was back in Jersey. People were like, yes. angry. It was I awesome.
3: Get out of that, that Southern hospitality and everybody's being nice. I'm like, nah, I need a chip on my shoulder at all times. <laughs> well, look,
2: man, keep that chip on your shoulder, bro. You've accomplished so many great things. You're a great dude, an awesome person, amazing leader. Anybody that wants to learn more about life, entrepreneurship, any of these things, go out there and follow this guy, Malcolm because All you do is all you do is win, my brother. So I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Uh, I want to ask you guys to spread the word. Give us a rating, a review. I mean, make sure you be nice with that. And a follow on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or
1: wherever you get your podcast thank you for listening hey brother brother jake appreciate you, boss
3: man i appreciate both of y'all i'm on to all the listeners to understand like yo y'all two one are just goats in the game like whether you even gave talk to me didn't like i just watched how y'all moved as individuals on the field off the field uh and y'all have affected an entire generation of players who watched that so hats off to both of y'all appreciate y'all having me on for sure
0: appreciate you, boss